to the Dream Journal. From the studios of KSQD in Santa Cruz, the Dream Journal is a weekly show where we explore the power of nighttime dreams through conversations with dream experts and with you. In the words of Carl Jung, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. Okay, this morning's music is called Phantomizer. Thank you to Rick for this new music. Today, an anima dream series and personal neurobiology. Also dreams about love and just in time for Hispanic Heritage Month, Mexican-American male identity formation. A conversation with John Valenzuela, PhD. I am your host, Catherine Bell of Experiential Dreamwork, and welcome to the Dream Journal. The Dream Journal is also a weekly podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. But most importantly, tell your friends. We are on a mission here at the Dream Journal to get people talking about dreams. You can find the archives at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also at ksqd.org slash the dash dream dash journal. And we are now on PRX, Public Radio Exchange. So if you subscribe there, look up the Dream Journal. All right, well, I'm going to start my personal dream work. Uh, yesterday morning I woke up uh, swimming in the ocean of uh, waves breaking sliding up onto the beach and sliding back down uh, almost like an otter and with me is a young man like mid-teens red-haired red-haired boy and we're just playing in the water so that's where I'm at today we'll be taking call-ins during the last 30 minutes of the show you can also email us anytime at ksqd Dot org. That's on air, O-N-A-I-R, at ksqd.org. John Valenzuela earned his Ph.D. from Pacifica Graduate Institute's clinical psychology program. His dissertation explores dreams and their symbolic connections to Aztec culture. His work explores the intersections between Jungian archetypes and neuroscience. You can find out about John Valenzuela at mentalwellnessdoctor.com and at Instagram at integrated.dreamwork. Okay, so John. So I met John Valenzuela at the Ashland Conference in June, and uh, he was giving the talk immediately before mine, in fact, and I was definitely captivated by his stories of the series of anima dreams that he had, as well as the uh, discussion of personal neurobiology. You know, I've always been curious about the anima animus thing. I am not a trained Jungian, and uh, I, I have my own meanings for anima animus. It's like the male and female archetype. Like the uh, maybe you why don't you say a little bit more about what that means, anima and animus? And then I'd love to hear just a little bit about some of your anima dreams, a series that you shared at the conference, which showed this progression in the relationship with a particular female archetype. 
So, so John, let's talk about what does the anima and animus mean, and uh, and how has it been meaningful to you in, in your in your dreams? Well, thank you. Yes, the anima and animus uh, in European psychology can be seen through the lens of female and male, but these days we are n- not trying to gender identify with those types of terms that sort of have traditional cultural meanings. Oh. I, the anima and animus to me feel more of autonomous spiritual oh. connections in our dreams. Oh, thank you for that because uh, it does seem very gendered and yet I, I appreciate your so your perspective on that. The autonomous spiritual beings. Is that the, what I heard? That is what you heard okay. and I I would also say more about that through the work that I've done on my own personal dreams, as you saw at the conference, mm-hmm. where there may be a figure in a dream that is female and represented in real life, and what that person you know, connects to in our dreams can shift over time, and that's really what Jung had identified with his own work with Philemon. Yes, okay, right, we're talking about the Red Book here. The Philemon and uh, forgotten the female. There was also a young woman that was part of that. Yes, and and definitely he spoke about Philemon in the memories, dreams, and reflections. Ah, that's who. Okay, okay, yeah. So so interesting that um, the so the we have the relationship to these beings in our dreams, and sometimes, as in your case, that they take on the face of somebody we know from waking life, a particular person. And uh, just before we get into what your series of dreams actually was, is there uh, anything about whether uh, the differences between the kind of archetypes that do have a face of somebody we know from waking life versus uh, someone we don't know from waking life? Well, there are parts of us that are connected to our, in our relationships, and that's an important connection that we want to explore that connects to different emotional states, different memories, different experiences. The other types of people also connect to those same states and different parts of us that may be more like amalgamations of figures in our life, and maybe they're a little bit more distant, maybe they're a little bit more fantastic than the people that we see in these uh, dreams that have real-life representation. Mm, Okay. Okay, so, but they have the similar uh, experience for the dreamer. There's a similar uh, reflection of the evolution of the dreamer, right? That, that's correct. Mm. I feel like those, those, the anima figure that I've seen in my life over 15 years, mm. um, 20, plus, 20 plus dreams of her kind of coming in has evolved from this sort of fantastic mythological form to a more a reality-based person, but not in the person I know. I don't know anything really about her in real life anymore. So she is much more of a figure in my dream world and my personality landscape than she is a, a real person. Okay. Would you like to give a few examples of some of these dreams, maybe as a, just an idea of how these, these images evolve? Absolutely. The first dream I had with this character was from 2008, and we were riding bicycles over a mountain of boxes, and we're coming out 
from top of the mountain to the um, side of the mountain. We're trying to leave the mountain, and these boxes, you know, are, are just normal boxes. So then she falls, and I have to take care of her. And when I have to take care of her, I have to carry her down the mountain. You know, that's 2008. But then to, to more present, 2022, I had a dream about her where I'm with my family at Universal Studios, and I'm looking for her. And I'm looking for her in a pool. I, I, was, refer- I was thinking about your dream that you just mentioned this mm-hmm. morning. In a pool I was looking for, and I couldn't find her. And I was looking her for people who might know where she is and nobody knew and and what became really fascinating is the work I did with this dream is I became I didn't know I was her mm-hmm. in, the, in in the dream because my dream ego wouldn't know that but as an anima as we think about these autonomous figures they are parts of us mm-hmm Parts of us, yeah. So, okay. So, so this is like the part of you, then. So the the but the manifesting in the feminine. That's correct. Right. Although you made the point at the beginning that that that, that is not gendered. Like, uh, is there a way that humans are gendered more than God is? You know, if you like that term, God. Mm. That you know, humans are accustomed to seeing gender. So maybe we kind of pick up on gender in our dream fingers, which may or may not actually be there. Because it's interesting you're talking about as autonomous beings. They have That's some right. some reality beyond our dreams. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Wow. Okay. Yep. I've, I've certainly had a sense of that, of like a building a relationship with something that seems uh, beyond myself. So there is the aspect of myself in this figure, and also there's some aspect of something outside of myself. Is that right? I, can I come back to your dream? Yeah, please. From That'd be fine. This, red, this red-headed boy. <laughs> yes. I yeah. You, you're there with this boy in the ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would that manifest as part of yourself in a way that is is maybe a, a spiritual or, or a, a connected life force or life energy? Where is the interconnectedness between you two? Mm. Mm. I have to be a very different dream if I were playing by myself. That's correct. Yes. So well, I I could I could mull that over. I have not thought about that that idea. So so there's something there's something relational about this that we keep like looking at each other and laughing, and that there is like this. And then sometimes he's higher up the beach than I am, and sometimes I am, and we're just dipping into the ocean and following the waves and kind of riding the waves up onto the beach in a way that wouldn't really work in waking life, but in the dream it made total sense but there's something relational like trading places getting one tire one slower and i don't remember touching but we definitely were looking at each other and a lot of laughing mm, a lot of mirroring mm, yes yes uh-huh absolutely you know and sometimes that's not the case like uh there's characters in my dream when they offer me something lovely and i, and I get scared and i think it's a threat Absolutely. In this one, you're at the ocean, at the edge of the ocean, between the ocean and Earth. You're on the beach. In the liminal space, yes. Yes. Mm. There's definitely something coming into that experience between you two at that liminal space. Right. And it's very fiery because of the red hair and the youth of this this man, this young boy. I don't even know. Mm. The age is a little murky, but kind of mid-teens, perhaps, and... 
So there's a lot of vitality. Mm. Mm. And I wonder when the, uh, I, 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 we can go on about this dream for a little while, but I want to get back <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, but well, now I'm, I'm curious about it. the whole series, like the idea of the evolution of the relationship. And I wonder if you, or where, where do you want to go next with this, John? So, yes, the throughout this relationship, there was a, a sexual tension mm-hmm. with this particular dream character. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting part of our own psychology, of our own drives and desires, as, as Freud would have been all over this, this sort of dream to suggest that there's a, a uh, you know, a sublimation or a, uh, um, this latent part of ourselves that's maybe being, um, you know, fantasized about in, in that way. But but Jung and others would say it's much more archetypal. It, there's much more of an energy force within the, the, the character. And if you could tap into that energy force, then there's an opening through into what I would identify as love. Mm-hmm. So, so, mm. so, so, and plus with the character who's in real life, you might imagine like that dreamer goes, oh, I should try to have a relationship with that person in real life. Right. Gosh. Right. And, and that makes a whole lot of sense. But in the archetypal world, if you have a relationship with somebody as powerful as an anima figure, anima figure, you are not doomed, but you're going to, it's, you're going to open up this whole can of sort of archetypal energy that is very overpowerful, overpowering to the individual psyche. And so you don't necessarily recommend initiating romantic encounters with any any waking life person you meet in, in a dream or <laughs> <laughs> exactly <Okay>. exactly <laughs> mm. okay so because there is something that the that that is tapping into that is not necessarily about that waking life person that's correct yeah and as, as a matter of fact I I, I was scared of that in mm. these these series of dreams I was scared that there would be, you know, a loss of the archetypal energy, you know, if there was some engagement with the real-life person. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm curious to hear more about love. You talked about, so this is what we mean by love, or I wonder if you want to say a little bit more about that and how dreams explore that. I mean, you shared a couple of dreams from your series and talking about the evolution, how Hmm. things evolved. Definitely. So, in that Universal Studios dream, I, I, I love the name of the, the context of that dream. You know, when I was in the, in the dream itself, I had no idea what was happening. So I'd come, I came out of it, though, and then a couple of days later, I went to uh, my therapist, and we talked about it. And I'm sure you're familiar with a little bit of what's called focusing or somatic mm-hmm. embodiment. Eugene right? Gendling, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. the founders of that exactly mm-hmm. so in in the dream work that i'm I'm working on in through this particular dream, I felt heavy, I anchored, I breathed I allowed my body to relax and and then I went into the dream and connected with my dream ego and looked around. But because I was in this place of dual awareness, which Dan Siegel, a mentor, talks about being able to connect to something in the past while in the present and using focusing, I was able to 
see through the anima's eyes. Mm, okay. Okay. And then in that experience, I felt this immense love. Ah, okay. Oh, interesting. From the from the anima, from the woman in the dream, from that perspective, you that's, were able to feel the love. Mm. That's correct. Mm. Okay. Uh, and yet, from the dream ego perspective, it's more difficult to feel love. There's all these barriers we have to love in, in waking life. And this ego. That's is, right. Huh? Mm-hmm. And these, these, uh, this attention, you know, atten- we need to pay attention. I was walking around. I'm looking for her. I, I don't know where she is. And, you know, maybe I'm feeling like, uh, I think in that particular dream, too, I was feeling a little like, an air of superiority. Uh, yeah. And when I went back, you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Those blocks to love that we uh, we need to remove to get there. That's right. Okay. All right. So that's uh. And so so is there an an a goal or an end to this? I mean, this thing about the the evolution of these characters, we these relationships to the characters in our dreams. Are there kind of, I guess let's start with the, the, are there like stages? Are there typical stages people go through? Or do each people have their unique wounds that they process through these dream relationships? The, the literature in the anima research, I think Mary Louise von Franz says, speaks to this development of a relationship to the anima in, in our waking life may evolve from somebody who is much more of a siren or a muse to somebody who's more like a Sophia or somebody who's more like a, a, a an archetype of character of or mythological character of, a, of somebody with the wisdom. Mm. So, but it would be individual. So it would be connected to one's own past and one's traumas and where one is at in their lives. Mm. Okay. Right, and so uh, it's just we're, it's just an ideal, like the ideal of uh, of what we're approaching is is never never going to be attained, but we can always get closer, I guess, to some kind of an ideal. And 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 again, I think the the anima is one of the many of the characters in the archetypal dream landscape landscape that gives us a connection to many parts of us. So. Maybe it's the mother, there's another, you know, part of us is the mother, another mm-hmm. part of us is the hero, another shadows and tricksters. And, and so all of those kind of feed into our personal growth, right, okay. where we can relate. Um, well, let's, uh, John, let's turn a little bit to personal neurobiology. Like, how does this, like, so there's something evolving in our psyche. I love the way you call that the personality landscape uh, through these series of, of dreams with various figures and uh, does that mean that our brain itself is evolving or what is what is that uh, how does this tie in with uh, neurobiology thank you exactly that's that was my very question mm. uh, over over uh, three or four years after I met dr. Dan Siegel uh, author of mindsight and brainstorm and and uh, several very good books on on interpersonal neurobiology which seems like a very nice phrase for uh, some academic discipline, but rather it's more of a science science of consilience, which is a science of bringing together hmm. several disciplines, several scientific disciplines. And, and I know that there's math and physics and 
clinical psychology and, and neuroscience are all sort of integrated into this one term, interpersonal neurobiology. So, and, and, and what his goal is and, and what the goal of this field is, and there's many, many people who are involved to, to bring these sciences together, they, they speak about trying to, you know, understand the human experience with similar terminology or a way to develop a sense of, of, of talking about our experience through um, common terms. Um, so, for instance, uh, he often brings up a question of what is an emotion to a group of scientists <laughs> in various fields, and nobody can agree on a term. Yes. So, what right? So we we can try to find a definition, but in his in that work of integra- of of sorry consilience, the the group did decide that the term that seems to fit the best is integration. Of that so, emo- emotion is integration. No, I'm, 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 I'm not. I missed it. What do you mean integration? How do you follow? That's correct. Oh. Right. That mm. emotion. That these sciences can say, you know, okay, we have our definitions, and and but to agree on a common term that seems to fit what they observe in their own perspectives can also be called integration. Okay. So, so let me. I'll give you. I'll fill that out a little bit yeah. more. For interpersonal neurobiology, there are nine domains of Asian, and those domains of integration are about how we connect to different parts of our lives, whether it's interpersonal integration or or um, state integration, integration of the emotions and, and motivations. Um, also, vertical integration. Vertical integration would be the, the connection between mind and body. Mm. The Horizontal integration would be the connection between left and right hemispheres oh, of the brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So integration is can be an experience of oh I, I'm you know processing a image of a tree for instance from my left brain and it's very you know bare it doesn't have really a lot of leaves on it, there's no sunshine but if I'm processing an image of my right hemisphere for instance I might see the sunlight or I might see the grass underneath the tree. I'm really filling out this image. So if I'm with both, I'm integrating this emotional experience of of two hemispheres kind of coming together in this in that way. So so that would be an example of how integration would be uh, a part of our consciousness, where we're 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 not limited to understanding just the tree from the left brain perspective or from the right brain perspective. We actually need to we have both to really um, feel into that experience with, with greater detail. I can see that. It's really important. Um, and how do dreams help with this? I, there's a dream, for instance, where a lot of people have when you're walking somewhere and you're searching for something. Yeah. You're in a landscape, for instance, like the beach, and, and there's no, uh, you know, you're... You're looking for something to do. You're looking for uh, a object. You're looking for a, a plane ticket. You're, you're, you know, you're, there may be something important to find, and you can't find it. So uh, there are pretty clear signs that in on, in the brain during dreaming that we have a call for a neural response, which is a somewhat of a neurological way of saying a search. <laughs> so <laughs> right. when we have that, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 we ask the other parts of our brain to go, hey, look, um, I'm looking for this thing. Is, is anybody up there finding it? <laughs> or do we have it? Is it? Do you know where it is? Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, this other part of my brain is going, oh, I don't know where it is either. And so, so in, the, in, in our dream and in in our experience of that, we're trying to find, you know, we're, we're, we're having these calls for, calls for neural response all the time. And so I, I would suggest, like, in, in somebody who brings a dream into, the, into my office that we would, we would look, okay, what are the other parts of your, of your mind and your uh, awareness or experience that you might actually bring into that call for neural response or into that search? Um, for instance, uh, uh, somebody um, a few days ago came in and, and said, I, I have a, a return ticket to, to go somewhere, but I can't find it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the, there's an attempt to go to a hotel, and, oh, I can't find the hotel. Oh, I can't find my phone to call the hotel <laughs> to find my ticket to, to get home. Um, you know, so there's this ongoing sense of call for neural response, and there's no one coming to the rescue there, so... You come out, you, you go to a therapist or somebody, and you talk about this dream, and then you, you work on that. You, you search for those things that you might not have been able to find in, oh, in so, the dream life. So even if you don't know what it is you're searching for in waking life, like in the dream, it's clear I'm trying to return, which I don't know, for me brings up ideas of going home or feel the sense of, sense of home, feeling yeah. of home. But it, it seems like maybe it's not even necessary to know what it is I'm looking for, but there's some kind of a search going on in my dream that's right and in my brain right. as well that's right mm. you know one thing that is kind of a, a theme for me is to like to notice uh these uh helpful figures and that very often when i'm in a state like that i have many dreams like that looking for something trying to find uh, there'll be somebody who's got their hand out and i just kind of rush on by <laughs> but then later i go oh somebody was helping me there Yes. And uh, I can then, as an waking state, go back and go, oh, there is help. And and I might even go back to Jungian psychology on that one and go, what, you know, who's the anima or animus uh, for you in that that place? Yes, yes. Okay. Wonderful. So this is uh, John Valenzuela, and um, I want to, after the break, talk um, about more about the uh, formation of I- identity in uh, Mexican-Americans, uh, which uh, males in particular. I want to talk a little bit about that work that you did, some research on that. And, uh, um, and then we'll talk some more about the anima and animus dreams. We're broadcast live from KSQD Studios in Santa Cruz and co-broadcast live in San Jose by KCXU. Welcome back to the uh, Dream Journal. My name is Catherine Bell. Our guest today is John Valenzuela, PhD. And uh, I want to let you know that next week we will be speaking about dreaming and consensus reality with Tina Tao. So you don't want to miss that. I want to share with you a recent iTunes review, Gem of a Radio Show on Dreams. 
I love the format for this radio show. Catherine is a lovely host. Why, thank you. And it's been fun to see her grow in this role. I always learn something listening to her show. I definitely encourage you to check it out. So thank you so much. Are you dreaming? So I'm talking today to John Valenzuela, and we're talking about Anima Endless Dreams, love, and we have a caller on the phone. It's Rochelle from San Diego. Let's get you connected. Okay, Rochelle, hello. Can you hear us? Hi. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Um, so I have this, I have a dream and I'm, I don't know, like I've been looking it up on Google and it just, they're not, it's not adding up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, good for you for trusting your intuition when uh, the answer is not right. Keep looking. Yeah. So, uh, John, shall we, shall we take a listen to this dream? What do you think, John? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for calling Rochelle. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so I've been having reoccurring dreams where, let's say, I'm going on a date and, like, it's going good, or I'll be out with my family or, like, at an amusement park or maybe even the beach, and suddenly I'll be transported home, and I'll notice that, like, my teeth are falling out. Mm. And I don't know, it kind of freaks me out, and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, my teeth are still there, but what the heck, like, I was having such a good dream, and then my teeth fall out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you wake up from that dream, would you describe that emotion as, as fear or anxiety? Um, I feel sometimes it's more of a shock. Cause I don't know. I feel like as a kid, I remember all my teeth falling out like, aha, tooth, I get to give it to the tooth fairy. <laughs> but now when my teeth fall out, I'm like, oh, no, I'm getting old. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting, right? So there's, as you just described, this this connection between youth, childhood, and old age, and 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 how this particular dream kind of comes out. You're being transported home in the middle of a date or in the middle of some fun activity. And gosh, if if I were that young age again, I might be completely, you know, I guess feeling like there's something, you know. I, I've lost something here, not just my teeth. I've lost this memory or I lost this opportunity to go out with this person. Or if I'm old, gosh, I've had all those experiences, and I'm not sure I need it anymore. I'm not sure I need these these teeth in this way, or there's replacements for them. So, so Catherine, this is one of those dreams where I feel like there's a lot of identity kind of shaping mm. happening. Mm, Rochelle, how does that resonate for you? So you are the dreamer. What is the what was resonating? Um, I'm a little, I'm kind of shook. shook. I kind of relate very much now that I'm thinking about. It, I'm like, oh, wow! I, ooh, ooh. Yeah. I didn't think you guys would be able to read me that well. Oh. I was just calling you for fun, but now I'm, I'm a little. Oh. Well, take a take a breath. There's no hurry here, Rochelle. Just take a take a breath. This is. This is beautiful that you're sharing. Thank you so much for for trusting us and just trusting your intuition to give a call. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So what's, what's wow. speaking to you, Rochelle? Is it about the identity or about the, the loss, the aging? Yeah. Um, came up here? I think the identity and maybe the childhood part. Also, like with 
the people I've been going on dates with, I haven't, like, I, I don't talk to them anymore. Oh. So, mm. I don't know. Is there sadness about that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not really sure how to cope with it, but I guess my dreams are like, ah, oh, here's, here, here's, you want to date with them. Mm. And then my teeth fall. <laughs> right. Oh. Something that is so stable in your mouth, right? These teeth, we take them for granted. And, and gosh, you know, in, 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 they influence our ability to talk. And, and what would happen if we lost our voice? And, and what if we, in real life, in waking life, you know, uh, feel into that, that sense of sadness? And mm. gosh, maybe I don't need to stop talking to these people. Maybe I need to continue working on finding ways to to tell them things that I, I maybe, you know, regret not telling them in the moment or stuff like that. Yeah. I, I might look into that. Thank you. I think I just need to hear that from someone. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah, Rochelle, thank yeah. you. And, and there's something about nourishment here. just want to throw this in here that... Uh, the, the teeth are are not in our mouth. It's heart. We can't properly chew things over. We can't nourish ourselves, and so there's like a tenderness here. Like maybe those dates were not nourishing to me, or maybe they were, but I didn't get it. I didn't let it in. It's just like I just feel a lot of tenderness, Rochelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so I much for answering. I yeah. didn't know I would actually like you guys would actually answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, feel Welcome. free to forgive me yeah. an email or contact John if you want some follow-up. I'd be happy to chat some more with you about this, and I'm sure John would, too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Rochelle. Bye. Bye. I love what you said there, Catherine, yeah. and that's such a metaphor, the falling out of the teeth mm. for a lack of, you know, nourishment, uh, yeah. inability to nourish oneself. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. an excellent place to go. Mm-hmm. Well, I also, you know, I was remembering um, one time when one of my teeth fell out in waking life when I was eating almonds or something like that, and I had a, a, mm-hmm. a crown that came dislodged. It was at the front of my mouth, and it just, it, I took a bite, and it just crumbled and it was the weirdest feeling like an earthquake in my mouth because it was like like you say the the teeth are such a stable part of who i am i take it totally for granted i'm just like okay this is you know the tongue touches the teeth and then this this tooth just tilted and fell out and it was like i was like suddenly a stranger in my own mouth (laughs) and it made me think of that unsettling feeling of losing teeth in the dream i have some some childhood dreams about about that which are creepy and very very intense mm. yeah. and, and that's what I, I love about the, these dreams and, and Rochelle brings up you know a good point at the beginning it's where do I find a resource on how to work with this and whether it's Google AI whatever these books that we have give us some sort of explanation of mm-hmm. what those symbols might mean but I, I love to use the symbol books in a much more ampli- in the Jungian way, which is to amplify the meaning, to connect to what is culturally relevant in my life right now, or, or also historically relevant mm-hmm. in my life, or even ethnically relevant mm-hmm. in my life. But then trusting the gut feeling, like last week we talked quite a bit about using AI to interpret your dreams and 
and the pitfalls of that, <laughs> as well as what's valuable. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things mm-hmm. is to trust your intuition on that. I wanted to touch into the topic of identity, yeah. which you brought up there, John, and uh, like, and how identity is almost like our teeth, like it's something that's part of who we are and we can take it for granted. Um, and yet I wanted to touch in a little bit about your, your work on, uh, on cultural identity uh, in, mm-hmm. and in particular uh, the thesis that you, uh, you described to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to share a snippet of a dream from Please? one of my dream participants in, in a, uh, I, for my dissertation that we did research on uh, poor uh, Mexican-American men in midlife, and they were uh, coming to the group with the expectation to talk about dreams. Mm. But, but actually, most of our dream work, or most of our work was done on thinking about our identity and, and being Mexican-American. But the dreams were ex- far beyond my uh, understanding of how they connected us to that identity. And one particular image comes to mind where a participant who didn't have much of a dream work or dream understanding, but he's sitting in his car um, at the corner of this intersection in in L.A. called uh, Washington's Place in Centinella. And in this one, yes, in this one image is so profoundly connected to this identity uh, piece. And and what your listeners may understand, you probably already picked up, is that Sentinella in Washington places in both metaphors for one being America, Washington's place, that mm. I think we can agree on. And Sentinella is a word that you probably are familiar with, right, as being some sort of guardian. Okay. In, uh, in Spanish. So, Yes, right. Okay. Like in, as a as a sentinel. Ah, sentinel. So it's at the intersection of these two, these two identities. Sounds like that's right. Yeah. Okay. In, in in somewhat of that that experience of being the guardian of 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 America, being here, you know, under some some sort of ethnic connection to my Mexican or American background, but really is I have to protect something here at this intersection. Now, intersection, too, is a beautiful symbol mm-hmm. for cross-cultural, whether it's a cross or crossroads. We, we can find a lot of different historical references to that. And, but in, in Aztec culture, that reference connects to a symbol in Aztec language, and uh, that crossroads becomes even deeper level of connection to one's heritage. Hmm, maybe you could say a little more about the Aztec culture and how that shows up. It's not something I know very much about, how that it was a show up in, in dreams in a certain way, or um, it's just the symbols that are very different than the other symbols, or say a little bit more about Aztec. That's right. Please. Yeah. Well, okay. well, the crossroads in, in Aztec symbols would be a... Um, uh, there's 20 main symbols in Aztec, in Nahuatl, the Aztec language. So they, in their picture, picture, pictures. So they, that particular symbol, I, 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 I'm not good at pronunciating the, uh, the, the actual symbol, but the, that crossroads or cross roads in sort of an X form is one of those symbols. Um, and, and so there's many other ways in which we can look at those, the, the, that experience of not just being the present 
consciousness or psyche is understanding of my responsibilities in this world right now, but it's also this historical lineage that I'm I'm being responsible for. Mm-hmm. And 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 that came up in the dreamers um, reports of of his life of being responsible for that Mex- Mexican or that ethnic heritage from going back to sort of Aztec times. Right, because I mean, it is really a question for all of us: is how do we um, how do we see ourselves like what how do we what do we consider as our identity and we are we're all a, a mix of of different cultures and also just different roles and uh family members there's different things that we do where our jobs and our uh, our you know our families and our hobbies that there's all these different things uh that we that we do as well as like the cultural background and so, um, how, what did you? What else did you learn about from this study? It sounds like a very interesting demographic of these Mexican American men. That's right. It was very interesting. And 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 I'm not shifts, but I want to bring in a different dream image that sure. also connects to how dreams sort of um, connect to you know I, I, conflicts with identity, right? It's nice to have those dream images that bring us into our cultural identity, but there are, uh, I guess, uh, where I go with that is in my personal dream work that I'm working on through interpersonal neurobiology, that uh, I've had two dreams in my lifetime, one in 1993 and one more in 2021, where I'm in an art studio, Mm. and, and I'm doing some art, and there's other people doing art. And and I'm doing, I'm drawing, and they're drawing or painting, and I'm using black and white. And they're using colors. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm. And so, right, and so they're the, and the, the metaphor that popped up for me in doing that work is they are the people of color. <laughs> uh. And I am not. Uh-huh. And I am not, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And so whether it was, you know, back in 1993, where I don't even know if we used the term people of color as a metaphor, right. but uh-huh. <laughs> there it was when I'm looking back at this connection and how it evolved in, in my life. And, and I've always had, I think a lot of people do have this need for inclusion, but they we don't know how. We don't know how to integrate with people of color. and. Mm. In, in, or I am a person of color, I'm Hispanic, and, and I, yet even that would be difficult for me to connect to at times. But, but in that kind of dream where I'm finding, how do I integrate uh. myself with the people of color? Then I, I, I find more love about that culture or those people or, mm. or the art of work itself. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's there's something about the, the the color that these people around me are painting in color, and like if it were my dream, I'd be wondering, do I wish that I was using color too, or do I do I like doing the black and white? That's the kind of question that I'd be mulling over. That's right. Mm. Maybe that's just what I need right now, where I am, and that's that's the perfect thing for me, the black and white. And yet, on the other hand, maybe I am kind of craving a little bit of color. And <laughs> yes. Huh? Yeah, different, different. Yeah, expressions. We all have different expressions, and right. but but even in interpersonal neurobiology, they talk about identity integration, or what Siegel used to call the trans-inspirational mm. domain, which is 
sort of the top, the, the final domain, and we know that this is the integration is happening sort of in the temporal, parietal um, intersection of, of the brain on the right side, and we're trying to identify with a sense of self and a sense of connectedness. And so that piece is is neurologically always in this way um, trying to bring we're trying to bring more consciousness to that. Mm. Yeah, I love that self versus connectedness. Like that's another sense uh, aspect of identity. Do I, how do I see myself? It's interesting. All the examples I gave were well, there were selves. There was relationship in terms of families and things. But there's a do I see myself as a as an individual um, or or I should say and do I see myself as part of, mm-hmm. of various collectives and various relationships? That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I start to see how this neurobiology idea can tie into uh, all kinds of uh, aspects of identity and how it might show up in, in different dreams. So this is the Dan Siegel's work, the neurobiology? That's correct. Okay. Mm. I might have to read up about that myself. I love that. I get educated yeah, I by my that. guests and then I get curious and go find out some yeah. more. <laughs> it's a definitely a rabbit hole. I mean, there are other researchers in the field, too. Uh, Louis Cozzolino, Alan Shore, Jack Pansky. You know, there's, it goes on. And even uh, people like, you know, Gabor Mate. In, in one of my, uh, Ian McGilchrist, who's often oh, on yeah. podcasts around, he's, you know, the master and his emissary being the left and right brain and which one is dominant. Yes. Um, and, 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 and if I speak to this question really quickly of going back to the anima yeah. in, in this sort of autonomous sort of connection to our spiritual life, spiritual love, Dan Siegel's word mindsight is, mm. is what I've identified as, this, as a very similar, if not identical, sort of concept that, that the more we explore our own mind, the more we have sight internally. And in, in, the, in the anima Jung work that, that is popular with Jungians is, is that's exactly what's happening. We're, we're connected to these all these parts. We're trying to connect all these parts of ourselves. And we need some sort of vehicle to do that. And, and Dan brings that back up with Mindsight in the 21st century here. Okay, sounds like a great resource. So, um, so John, uh, John Valenzuela, where do you where do you live and practice, and how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, thank you. I'm a clinical psychologist in Ojai, California, just just ninety minutes north of Los Angeles. But I am, you know, writing a book on this subject. I'm getting a proposal out there. If if you wanted to get in touch with me, you can find me on my website, mentalwellnessdoctor.com. And uh, we can we can explore dreams, dreams further from there. That would be lovely. Excellent. Yeah. So, so John, maybe do you have any final parting encouragements or thoughts that you'd like to share um, with our listeners? Thank you. I I, I want to reconnect to your dream and to mm. Rochelle's dream and 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 bring some love back into those spaces and updating the experience of, 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 of helping you all find love in those dreams. Um, what the, the red-headed boy giving, sharing with you his, his, his adolescent youth <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, on the beach. You know, maybe you need a little bit of that right now. Wouldn't That's that be wonderful? <laughs> I think I could use that. Thank you. 
You're welcome. John, this has been a delight. Uh, I hope we I hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you so much, Catherine, for the opportunity, and, and I look forward to meeting with you again. Great. Hopefully, roll duck in 24 with the next IASD conference. We'll see. Absolutely. All yes, right. exactly. All right. Thank you. Take care you. now. Bye. You too. Bye. All right. So thank you for listening. The Dream Journal is produced at the studios of KSQD in Santa Cruz, and we are live every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific. You can follow the live stream at ksqd.org and then phone in with your own dream or question. The podcast is released on the Monday after the show. It keeps us growing when you subscribe, rate, and review. My name is Katherine Bell. You can find out about my dream coaching practice at experientialdreamwork.com. Email me at katherine at ksqd.org. That's K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at ksqd.org. You can follow Experiential Dreamwork on Facebook and Instagram to find out about upcoming shows. I'd like to thank Rick Cleffel, engineer and music creator. Um, and also Tony Rosamano for answering the phones. The intro music is Water Over Stones. Outro music is Everything Both by Mood Science. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, take a minute to write down your dream and bring it to the next Dream Journal.